Welcome to One Season Wonders, a podcast about the missteps and miracles of forgotten television. I'm your co-host, Jeff Zuschlag. And I'm your co-host, Mark Zuschlag. And we're going to be talking about episode 10 of the MSNBC series Kings, originally aired in 2009. Uh, and we're bringing it back because, boy, is there a lot to talk about, <laughs> especially in this episode. This episode was a wild ride that yeah. I wanted off of. <laughs> which is fortunate it was only 45 minutes long <laughs> yeah i think i'm gonna go ahead and give your thesis no actually you should give your thesis up top because it was really good before i started recording you had a great way of, <laughs> you of, of summarizing from me <laughs> i almost stole it from you but i was like that's a shitty thing to do i'm gonna let you your, claim your the glory conscious kicked in at the last second uh, yeah <laughs> but the fail safe the brotherhood <laughs> conscious fail safe kicked in i was like oh wait you um, should uh, i have to live with you i have to see you at like family events so i shouldn't <laughs> do this to you <laughs> And we're uh, not even so done got, with the season yet, so... Right, right, right. We've got at least two more episodes to go before uh, a clean stopping point, so... <laughs> uh, so go, go ahead and, and, and give give your, your sort of summary or yeah, thesis yeah. for this episode. Um, we were talking about this before the episode started, just to, you know, let us know what our hot takes were to do a little bit of planning before we start the before podcast. The, before the podcast episode. Right, before the started, podcast. The, before the yeah. podcast. Um, and I feel like this episode was like the uncanny valley of writing it wasn't (laughs) real enough to take seriously but it wasn't like fake or fantastical enough to suspend disbelief yeah so it just made me like really weirdly uncomfortable to watch like nothing i it's just so i can't even we just need to get into it basically because there's so many like there's so many weird things that this episode does that just like make almost sense. They're so close to making yeah. sense, but it's just not quite. And it's just very uncomfortable yeah. to, to watch. Yeah. This episode kind of epitomizes a phenomenon. I think that I've mentioned in previous podcast episodes with Kings, which is that I like see the intent. It's not like, when we run into nonsense, it's not the sort of nonsense where I like really don't understand what the writers are going for, or it seems like they're just flailing, or you know that there's a lack of intent or, or clear plan here. I see the plan in this episode. I see the intent. I see kind of like okay, if this was executed right, it would make for an effective scene. But the execution is, as you put it, just like a couple degrees off of center. So it just really gives this strange feeling where everything is super grounded and taken very seriously. But like if you pull back just slightly, it all looks very ridiculous and wrong and just not quite not quite human. You don't even need to like not quite human is a good way of putting it. And honestly, you don't even need to pull back like at all. Like that that's the weird <laughs> thing. It's like right in front of your face, the fact that this makes no goddamn sense at yeah. all. Um and I yeah, it just it bums me out too because um like again, they do more of what we sort of love in this episode, but it feels like the more that they do of the things that we love, uh-huh. just like the less they give a fuck about like anything else, I guess, about yeah. this, about the show. It's so bizarre. Yeah. Uh so yeah, let's let's dive right into it and uh dig into this bizarre bizarre meal we have set before ourselves. Um so the the inciting incident for this episode, which takes a little while to kind of get grounded in for another reason I'll mention soon, is that the charter for, I guess, the kingdom has been stolen. Yeah. 
Um, and it's sort of described it is a as short ass charter, man. It's yeah, like, it's like one of those uh, fake like certificates you get as a kid when like you participated in something, mm-hmm. and it's like congratulations for participating. That it looks like exactly like that. It's yeah, like yeah, same size, same sort of like weight to it. It's a small, yeah. small document. It, it's a single like page like of document and this is uh, you know what let's let's get into the confusion right now here's the confusion is that it opens with a we've ne- a, a narrator who we've never heard speak before saying that he and the, the show has never had voiceover narration in its episodes before that i can recall not to like this extent it is not no. um and he's saying that he has just been hired by the king to write a new history of the city because there was a time when the, the history was stolen and so, and then they show the charter being stolen. And already I'm confused because I'm like, okay, one, where is this? What time is it? Like what, what, <laughs> not, not, not in terms of like, like. Am uh, I late uh, for lunch? I don't know. <laughs> no, no. More like where are we situated in history? Because this event apparently already happened, but the narrator is seemingly speaking from a point in the future. And then on top of that, he says the history was stolen, but this is a single sheet of paper <laughs> described as a charter. <laughs> So this can't be the entire history of the ki- – is he talking about something different? Was there a different time when a history was stolen? And this is an unrelated – like, I was Meta- so confused up top. Yeah, metaphorical, like, um, turns of phrases only work when there's context, and there was no context yeah. for any of the things this narrator was laying down. Yeah, all the narrators, like – also, the narrator's just speaking in a very, like – because he's writing the history, so he's speaking in a very, like, grand metaphorical way. Right. So it is extremely hard to pin down what details are, again, where are we? When is it? Uh, wh- where? What's happening? Like, who's, it's so confusing up top. Like, I was just so lost for a moment. Um, but finally, Ian McShane comes to ground us. <laughs> it turns out that a couple things. One, the charter really, w- like, the, the the even though the narrator is in the future, the present that we've been following through the show, the show's timeline is the charter has just been stolen. This is a new development. After David and the King's heart-to-heart in the forest, they get back home, and the charter, which is apparently the history, although I'm guessing that's more metaphorical, because, again, there's no way the entire history of the kingdom is on this single no, sheet of paper. It's, it's a pretty young kingdom. They can write the whole <laughs> history on it. I, I guess maybe? It seems more like the Declaration of Independence, honestly, for like its significance. Yeah. like It's not literally a history, but it is a document that is like a cornerstone of the kingdom's identity. I definitely think that's what they're going for. Um, I find it sometimes when they pull in like current things from current events or things from like, I guess America, Mm -hmm. uh, it works sort of kind of, yeah. uh, To sort of like ground this, the series or give the viewers something to relate to. In this instance, like, the only thing I could think of was, like, National Treasure. <laughs> yes, me too. Like, okay, can I just say, I don't want to, like, just bring up my notes all the time, but literally my note is they've stolen the Declaration <laughs> of Independence. Yeah, so, like, everyone's freaking out, like, these crazy, these bastards, like, they disgust me. They stole the Charter. And, like, I know they're trying to go for, like, this is, like, the Declaration of Independence, viewers. Isn't that terrible? You should understand how terrible this is. But I was like, eh. Is it yeah. though? Yeah. I mean, maybe it's a little sad, but I mean, yeah. And it's another case of like we've never heard of this charter before. It's yeah. never been referenced. We've never yeah. seen it. So we're being very, we're being told to care a whole lot about a thing that 
as far as we've concerned, hasn't existed until right. five minutes prior. Um, although importantly, I just want to make note of this because it is important to us. Our the two best cops in the city are on the case. <laughs> our angels, <laughs> our two doormen, who I guess are also again like it just amazes me that they can get anywhere and often are like they like in the middle of the crime scene. They're just walking through the broken glass. Like. It's it's great too because <laughs> they're supposed to be like our surrogates of like the common yes. man in this pol- political intrigue. So of course they're the first ones who are like the charter was stolen. This is terrible. Like this is awful because it's supposed to be like you like these guys, right? And they yeah. hate that the charter's been stolen, so you should hate that the charter's been stolen. And no, no show. I don't yeah. care. <laughs> you I mean, can't I hate fool the me. I like these guys. They're okay. They can stay. I empathize <laughs> with their sadness, but I'm just not feeling it. I was going to say, I'm sad that the angels are sad, but not. I'm not <laughs> feeling especially gripped by the specifics of their plight. Right. Uh, anyway, so everyone's freaking out. The king, um, they suspect that it's it's on the black market in Ekron? Enkron? Ekron? I think um, Ekron, it was right? Enron, right? <laughs> in Enron. Enron is selling it. I think it was Akron, Ohio, actually. <laughs> I think it was Anchorage. <laughs> uh, Got to go to Alaska. Um, no, so... It, he fights uh, a fiction- bear. It's basically the Revenant, but instead of Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio's Golden Boy. <laughs> the Golden Boy fights the bear of the Declaration of Independence. It's a much better movie than uh, DiCaprio's Sad Dad Time. Um, anyway, so the king devises a plan where he says, here's a great opportunity. Uh, instead of sending like a, a, a investigative force to find this document or to send a special ops team i'm gonna send the golden boy singular uh david to just basically solid snake his way into the country uh and try to find the charter himself as kind of a way to to test his his metal um i think he, well he wanted Shepard to like fail and die we know that but the way the king delivers it to Shepard and the people surrounding him is that this is a very serious mission right. Uh, even though the parameters are kind of vague, he's like, go south and find it. You know, one of my favorite parts about this scene, too, is that um, it's the episode directly. So the episode before ends with um, the daughter, Michelle, uh-huh. <clears throat> goes up to uh, his fa- her father, King Silas. I cannot think straight. King Silas <laughs> and is like. This episode has got me so confused about everything <laughs> I know about anything. Um, goes yeah. up to goes up to Silas and is like, "By the way, I'm banging David Shepard. We're yes. having a good time," and that's sort of like the big lie that Shepard told King. And so, like the everyone's in this big audience chamber, right? Like the main gathering room for the king and his advisors, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, the chart has been stolen. This is uh-huh. terrible. What are we gonna do?" And King Silas is like, I have a great plan. I will send my one and only advisor. This is not what Ian McShane sounds like, but <laughs> not even remote advisor, David Shepard, to go and retrieve the document. And like in the middle of all of this, because we as the audience realize, right, that like King Silas is sending Shepard because he's really angry at the yeah. whole lying thing. But, like, Shepard hasn't acknowledged that he knows this to the king yet on screen. So he does uh-huh. this awkward moment where he's like, hey, king, I know I'm banging your daughter, but, like, you don't have to send <laughs> yeah, me. Okay. There might be That's a better a way point. to do this. And, like, everyone's just, like, standing there in this audience room just, like, hanging out. Like, Yeah, yeah. 
So the, okay, that's uh, like humble I, I, brag, I, much Shepherd. Yeah. Come on, guy. <laughs> Come on, man. Have some. Have some class. Show some yeah. class. So actually, there we go. So I, I wasn't sure if this is where I was going to make the stand, but here's like, let's get into the details. This is the kind of execution weirdness that permeates this whole episode. So anytime we're describing an exchange, just imagine this, where. Again, we get the broad strokes, but the way the scene plays out is very strange. Where the king says, everyone's upset about the charter. And the king suddenly stops being upset and says, well, this is an opportunity. David, go south, which we don't know is where Ekron is. He just says, go south and get the charter back. And David says, I know I'm sleeping with your daughter, but this seems too dangerous. And we're just like, what did we miss? Huh? Why? Does David know it's a suicide mission? Is Does everyone else around them know it is? And also, in the middle of that, King Silas turns around and goes, Perry, stay. And we're like, who the fuck is Perry? <laughs> the, the, other, the other thing I like on the scene, too, is that the only reason he gets sent south is because everyone's like, who could have done this? And somebody's like, could it be the southern tribes? And then everyone's yeah. like, yes, it's yes. definitely them. Exactly. And so, like, it seems like characters are having conversations that are, like, not quite in line with each other and making interjections that are on a different topic and it takes another couple lines for it to loop back. <laughs> so it's so bizarre. And like, I don't like, it's I'm, exactly I'm sure. like the scene in the room when time was so walks into the flower shop and everything is just a little bit, a little bit off. Like yeah, the ordering yeah. of the words is just a little bit off. It's just bizarre because the characters are saying lines that, that are ostensibly of the same conversation but are more that they each have their own topic that they have to keep you know uh giving exposition for and it forms the the rhythm and cadence and structure of conversation but the 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 lines don't actually match up the meaning behind the lines don't actually match up it's the uncanny valley it's like it it sounds like a conversation but it's not it's not a conversation Uh, but anyway, so somehow they decide that, uh, through this bizarre means of communication that David is going to go South. He's only got, as King Silas puts it, his wits, a gun and a cell phone. <laughs> it sounds like they're playing Clue. <laughs> yeah, it really, it really does. <laughs> uh, and he's going to go South to, I guess, Ekron. I, I was confused at first if Ekron was a country, a city or like a city state. Um, what it looks like is just a shitty alleyway, basically. Uh, <laughs> the whole country. Yeah. Imagine uh, Singapore, but shitty. And yeah, one alleyway. Yeah. And that's, that's, <laughs> that's the country. Basically. Um, so while David is there, King Silas, again, seems rather upbeat about this charter thing. And, and we're given, I don't know if this really makes a whole lot of sense, again, because the charter isn't literally the history of the kingdom, I don't think. Um, but we're given the sense that King Silas sees this as an opportunity to sort of start anew. Yeah. Um, and I, and the voiceover is continuing and I think we're supposed to be led to believe that Perry, the man who I think was in the first episode briefly has now been brought back and given center stage is writing the history, the new history that King Silas describes. Yeah. In that first encounter. But it's not, that's not the case. And again, it gets, it gets weird. The, I'm not going to spend too much time on that. The king walks in to the like, audience advisor chamber and is like, this is a new opportunity. What about renewable energy? And everyone just like standing ovation. He just walks out. Like, that's the yeah, whole scene. Ag- again, a weird conversation. He walks in and says, the charter is stolen. Our history is gone. But what about clean energy? And everyone's <laughs> like, good idea. And he's like, right? Great. And then he turns around and leaves. And it's like, <laughs> what was the... What was the email that announced this meeting? What did it say? Like, 
what was the what was the on the itinerary for this because it was like a 30 second meeting where the king jumped from topic to topic and everyone was down with it i you know I couldn't figure it out this scene would have worked if they had made king silas a lot crazier a lot earlier in the show <laughs> and it was like the king just shows up makes a nonsensical like argument or point and then leaves mm-hmm. and like because he's the king you have to stand up and clap as a standing ovation yeah like that works in like a different tv show <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's one. it's bizarre again i i again i get the intent and i get the sort of purpose of it but yeah. the execution just like if anybody did this in a real like uh senate hearing basically people would be like the fuck just happened <laughs> Like this started as a dis- as a as a discussion about the security of our prized relics and ended with the king saying we should build more windmills and then just piecing out, like what? And it took three sentences. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so strange. Um, so meanwhile, while all this hot hot intrigue is going on, uh, Jack Prince Jack Prince Dirtbag and Katrina the heiress who uh had a the gold digger who was married and then her husband died leaving her with wealth and not much of a title uh as her full full character description are in the midst of their their wedding <laughs> she actually says that every time she's on screen <laughs> well i was trying to do a callback she did that in their first introductory episode that was kind of a point that got hit over and over yeah, again yeah. so i'm trying to keep our various names straight for these characters. <laughs> um so katrina's getting her wedding dress and jack doesn't give a fuck uh he's very not even trying to like keep up a pretense of like that this wedding is a real thing. He's just like, ah, whatever. Katrina's like, how do you like my dress? And he walks in and he's like, I'm gay. (laughs) Yeah. Basically he's like, well, I'm banging dudes. So I don't care. (laughs) Uh, so the queen also shows up and this was again, a very bizarre conversation because Katrina is like completely just like I, the way the scenes have been set up so far and the way the show's operated, one would think that in like a show all about duplicity and politics and appearances, Katrina would at least try to maintain the facade that what she's doing is, is genuine so that the queen is a little more uncertain about how to act. Yeah. But Katrina basically tells the queen, you're old, you're fat, I'm thin and young, I'm going to be the new queen. The reason I'm doing this is to hurt you. I know Jack's gay and I don't care. He's going to sleep around with dudes and I don't care. Maybe I'll join in, make it a hot, weird, kinky threesome, which I know you hate for being such an old, fat queen, uh, and just try to stop me. And spoiler so warning, old. she fucking does. <laughs> <laughs> like, the reason you don't come out and announce to your enemies that you're planning to, like, usurp their power is because when your enemy is the queen who has previously had people assassinated maybe she'd do the same thing to you i don't know again i feel like this this conversation would work in a different show if katrina Gant was <laughs> supposed to be just totally and utterly incompetent and was doing all this i'd be like wow she's about to die yeah and like that's like that's her character arc but instead it's like uh what are you doing, Katrina? Also, why are you guys fighting in the first place? Cut to next scene. Oh, oh, she's dead? Yeah. Oh, uh, all right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, it's so bizarre. that character, I guess. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, I guess kudos for the show for predicting my notes because I wrote down, like, couldn't she just have Katrina? Assa- like, they've assassinated people for less. And then sure enough, like, maybe don't announce your intent to start a coup. Uh, <laughs> through marriage. It's also, so bizarre. Also, the name of the – she goes to a country – to get a diamond ring, like diamond that's apparently incredible, um, and it's called Austeria, 
which I just want to point out. It's pretty <laughs> fucking funny. <laughs> That's really good. The austerity. So you might to get some unobtainium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, God, fantasy names are the best. Like, I unironically <laughs> love them so much. Um, I mean, real world names aren't that much better. We've got, like, what was that time when the economy was super depressed? Oh, the Great Depression. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Remember anyway. that time it wasn't that depressed, but it was like a little recessed. Yeah, it was a great recession. <laughs> recession, yeah. Oh, hey, you know, you know how we've got those big bodies of water around that one state? Uh, they're Great Lakes of sorts, you could say. I mean, actually, not to go off on too much of a tangent, but imagine like you're an explorer and you're just like you've you've walked from like you're walking like there's no other yeah. way to do this. You're walking from like landing on the Atlantic coast. Like and you're just going inland. You cross mountains. You see rivers. You see all yeah. the beautiful nature. And then you just get to an enormous body of water, and you're just like, "Wow, that's <laughs> big!" Like, what would you name it? Come on, <laughs> give us some credit. Like, I don't know. I guess they should have sent a poet. Like, you know, explorers aren't they're they're good at surviving and getting places <laughs> alive. Once they but, get uh, to that place, they should like call up like, "Yo, I found some lakes." I know my weaknesses. You know, we got yeah, a yeah. bit of a specialized economy going. So if you can bring in some poets, <laughs> that'd be great. Yeah. But no, yeah, it's a big water. <laughs> Dope. Anyway. Anyway. Um, so meanwhile, uh, while that's while the uh, the wedding is heading towards its disastrous conclusion, uh, south of the border is a different type of disaster, which is Shepard trying and utterly failing to be a spy. Just the worst covert op of all time again it's this makes sense but it also doesn't make sense yes yeah like it's i guess it's kind of understandable that a man with no spy training would be a little clumsy at it but the way this is revealed is that Shepard walks into a seedy bar then like walks straight to the first bartender he sees and says hey are you with the black market basically he's like hey i hear you know where illegal stuff is sold so that's what i'm here for and the bartender's like okay I've heard that there was an idiot named <laughs> named <But> Shepard. Wow, walking, <laughs> you walking. are dumb. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's like, look, holy cow! Ev- the whole city knows what you're doing. You've been going like basically reveals that Shepard has been going bar to bar saying, "I'm I'm Prince Shepard, not Prince. I'm the king's advisor, Shepard, here to find the illegal stuff. Show me where it is." And it's just like, oh my god! And then god. he follows this random woman who's like, yeah. I know, I know what you need." I got what you need. And he's like, yeah, all right. Yeah. Either, either this is drugs or the relic I'm looking for. So it's a win-win. Yeah, basically. So yeah, the woman's like, I know what you need. Come with me. And David's like, sure. Let me make sure I take my gun. He arrives at the docks where the deal's going down. And the skeevy black market guy is like, do you have the money? And Shepard's like, do you have the stuff? And the guy's like, do you have the money? And Shepard's like, okay, yeah, I've got the money. And they just take his gun. <laughs> I got take a the lot money. of money. <laughs> yeah, like they take his gun, take his money, and just beat the shit out of him. And it's like, what was his plan? Like, <laughs> what? He's the golden boy. Uh, he doesn't know any better, man. Again, see, again, this would make sense in a different show, in a different time in a different place <laughs> that uh, the hero that we're rooting for who is the problem is they've already built up golden boy as being like basically a savant at anything that he does and just like yeah. naturally by being just like an honest kid that uh, watching him experience failure is just so weird like it just doesn't yeah it doesn't make any sense at all even though like 
logically, it should make sense. The king sends one guy with no help, like no contacts, no like here's all the evidence that we have so far. Right, like, you're right. gonna go down this country and find where this stolen relic is in an entire country. And so it's like, yeah, he'd fail. But we're so used to seeing Golden Boy just be able to like walk around and like say and do whatever he wants and succeed that like watching him fail is genuinely like this doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Like yeah. it doesn't fit the world that they've built over the past nine episodes. Well, again, it, it's also like it feels like how he fails, which is again like the um the the issue it almost feels like these scenes are are being compressed for time because one would think that even if David isn't the smoothest operator, he would attempt to conceal his weapon or to like bargain or like yeah. it seems like there were more steps where like he has enough in survival instincts that he would ask more questions and maybe yeah. try to think of a plan. But instead, not even an attempt is made. He literally just stands there as the dude like gra- like frisks him, takes the money, takes the gun, and then kicks him in the stomach. And it's like, well, yeah, man. Like, how did guy. you see this? Yeah, how did you see this working out? <laughs> like, no struggle is even even attempted. And it's like, well, I guess David is just very, very, like, not just bad and inexperienced, just, like, dumb, just, like, stupid. <laughs> uh, but sh- fortunately... Um, through some meat, we get a commercial cut, and then David is in the home of the bartender he met, who knew his father. Yes, which is a bit of a hand wave because it's like, okay, so I guess they just beat the crap out of the king's advisor and left him at the docks, and he was being tailed by the bartender who was close enough to save him, but not close enough to intervene or to give him a warrant. I don't know. It's a bizarre hand wave to just be like, and then he was at the, the bartender. <laughs> That's in what his commercials room. are for. You forget what happened like <laughs> five minutes earlier. They're like the uh, the the Men in Black yeah. uh, mind eraser. That's what detergent commercials are. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's strange. But yeah, as you were, as you were saying, um, the bartender has a secret past. Secret, super secret family member. No, not a family member this time. A super secret <laughs> friend who was yeah. a family member of David Shepard. Um, and this this again is like they're they're reaching. For straws, like there's yeah. If that is that the expression, they're grabbing they're grasping straws. for straws, there grasping for straws. Eh, the straws are quite far away, so they're, they're <laughs> reaching for them now. And then later <laughs> in the episode, they're just grabbing at them. It's really sad to see. Uh, but I mean, you're right. It this whole basically everything that Shepard does this episode is the show not having enough time to give like the enormity of this mission the due that it deserves yeah like a guy infiltrating a country to get a document you could make that into a whole movie called national treasure right (laughs) and they condense it into like half an episode basically yeah um so it's just it's really painful to watch like (laughs) the actors have to like do this have to try and make this seem reasonable yeah um and give emotional weight to things that we do not have enough time to like comprehend even from like a logical standpoint let yeah alone, like any deeper emotional connection yeah uh but the the so the bartender is hosting david now and is kind of trying to nurse him back into health and reveals that he that the, he the bartender was actually originally a soldier for um galboa 
and not only that, but was in the same unit as David's dad. Uh, and what he reveals is that although David's dad did die in combat, as as King Silas told him, it was a suicide mission that King Silas sent David's dad and the bartender on because they refused to essentially like Sherman's march to the sea, a few <laughs> border towns that were sympathetic to the Gath. Um, so, yeah, uh, which is understandably shocking to David. Uh, you no, know, although I had, maybe I had maybe never, I uh, never thought of Sherman's March to the Sea in that way, but you're kind of <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, oh, I got. That sounds like I don't know why this strikes me as like an insult you could throw at somebody when you're about to get into a fight. Like, oh, I'm gonna Sherman March to the Sherman's Sea. March to the you're sea. rolling up your sleeves like an obscure I'm gonna, gonna Atlanta your face right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, God. Um, uh, it's only funny because it happened 150 years ago. To save <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we've got enough distance on the march to see that we can uh, use it as a shorthand for totally owning someone's ass. <laughs> uh, although in this case, it's a little more literal because I guess not to sound pretentious, but those who aren't familiar with that, essentially it's uh, raising villages to the who to are the sympathetic ground. to your enemy to the ground. Um, in in a deliberate like shock and awe tactic kind of way, right? Um, so anyway, David is understandably upset about this. Although again, their his relationship with the king has been so back and forth about like the king wants him dead, the king wants to hug him, the king wants to strangle him, the king wants him anywhere else. Yeah. So I'm not a hundred percent sure how David feels about the king in this moment, but we're led to believe that David finds this to be a particularly hard betrayal. Um. And then as soon as the bartender leaves, David gets up and map quests, I guess, most likely spots where the charter would be. He just looks up Akron, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a map of Ohio. He's like, yeah, this looks about right. Let's go. That's and where I'm going to spend Columbus, my Columbus, Cleveland, uh, Cincinnati. He visits a lot of cities in Ohio before finally getting to Akron. Yeah. Um, he can't read, actually. <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's the twist. <laughs> Uh, were you, I, I am curious though, were you actually clear what he was, cause like, so the, the bartender <laughs> I had no did no idea what he was doing. Okay. Me I neither. No idea. Like the purpose of any of that. Also, I just want to point out that though the reason, he, so the bartender is like, the king is an asshole. He killed your father. Don't trust him. And this is like, right. This is like a hard thing for for Shepard to take in, but one, he gives no indication that this is a hard thing to take in. He's just like, yeah, Psh, okay, yeah, you're just a bartender. What do you know? Uh, he doesn't actually say that, but he he doesn't like show any emotion to this like revelation. Yeah, and he two, looks surprised, but we're not given a moment to really sit with what right. that means to him. Right, he's just like, wow, that sounds terrible. Anyway, I gotta go, and the way that he goes is he, the he's like, oh man, like this is. I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need a drink after like hearing this hearing this terrible revelation. Do you got anything? And the guy says I'm a bartender, which doesn't quite answer <laughs> his question, yeah. uh, but I can roll with it. And he leaves to like I don't know. He's making Long Island iced teas. I don't know what the fuck he's doing because it's taking yeah. a while. The David most complicated cocktails. <laughs> to Google, actually, it looks more like MapQuest <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> like MapQuest, yeah. freaking uh, Akron, Ohio steal this man's motorcycle and leave before yeah. the guy even is like comes back and he's like i made some moscow mules 
Am I supposed <laughs> to see? Tell me how you think. Ah, oh, fuck. Ah, oh, shit. Not again. <laughs> again. God damn it. Son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, this dude, this dude fought with your father and you just like used his computer and stole his bike without asking. <laughs> like, you didn't even ask. You didn't even say, hey, Do you know I'm how on an important mission. Do you know how costs David Shepard? Yeah. Do you know how poor this country looks? <laughs> well, yeah, that is the thing, though. Is like you would think that. This dude saved your life from, I guess, the the mob. From himself, and, really. <laughs> yeah, that really. Saved you from yourself. Has tried twice to save you from yourself. And confessed to having a connection to your father. And instead of just asking, hey, can I use your bike and computer? David, like, tricks him and steals his shit. Like, it's... <laughs> We're going to see the bad boy. Yeah. Golden and, and, Boy's and, bad boy side. <laughs> And again, it's the. I, I actually, I wouldn't be surprised if it's just Golden Boy thought that's what spies do. Like he's completely, <laughs> just utterly incompetent as a spy. He's like, well, spies lie and steal shit, right? And it's like, no, you, you should have lied earlier about who you were and then been honest to this guy instead of being honest to the criminals and stealing your friend's bike. <laughs> you have this backwards. backwards. <laughs> he like kisses the mastermind and shoots the the, the Bond girl, and it's like, no. <laughs> You're totally wrong. <laughs> so bizarre. Uh, anyway, so, but David's on a mission now, and he's visiting yeah. the sketchiest places he can find in search of right. this uh, this this charter. Um, meanwhile, small note that comes back back in the in the in Shiloh, King Silas keeps walking by a woman who is just standing in the main <laughs> lobby of, I guess, we, the Capitol. We know it's David Shepard's mom. Yeah, it's it's David Shepard's mom, but King Silas doesn't recognize her. Um, and she's just kind of wandering around, and King Silas is getting a real weird vibe from her, um, but doesn't do anything about it because he says it's a public place and can't be bothered. So, uh, Again, like you can't uh, – Congress is a public place, and you can't do this kind of shit in Congress. So I don't know how like the seat of government for king is this open that you can just yeah. show up and stand there, but – but that's what she does, and she's there that's every day. Uh, and we go to the king is on his way to the wedding, or not the wedding, the engagement party. And surprise, surprise, it's not Katrina there with Jack. It's another female character whose name I forgot but appeared once really briefly in a previous episode when Jack was looking for cover for his homosexuality. <laughs> and she's back, and she's and his... from his, Bullets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she's his... his uh, bride to be now, and I guess Katrina Grant died off screen in a car <laughs> crash due to mountain roads. Is what we're is is what we find out from the the chatter between the king, the queen, and the corporate sleaze bag. And it's like I feel like we missed an episode. <laughs> like what? This character has been with us for like like a few big plot lines, and I guess she's just dead now. You know what? I have a small theory. What? She's not actually dead. Uh and if they were to make, well, maybe she'll show up in the next couple of episodes. But I think they're planning on making a second season where she'd come back and ally with David. Oh, maybe. That That's would make sense. But it's but, still, it's still the, the the way this scene happens, it feels like we're missing like key like no, 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 character you're, moments. You're absolutely right. It's, it makes, no, it just, it feels very wrong to get rid of a character that had been, that they had been building up to be as like a rival or as like somebody that the queen now must fear in some way and just yeah. kill her off like in such 
<laughs> with so little like care. I mean, I guess I guess that's realistic in a sense. Like, I guess. people die all the time. <laughs> But that's the thing is that it's not just that the characters don't care. It feels like the show doesn't care that she's dead. Yeah. yeah. Which is kind of weird and a shame because like she was I didn't like the way the show wrote her as just the cattiest person of all time. Mm -hmm. But also her like. She had a way different perspective than most of the characters. And I I can't like infer her politics completely, but she's at least like way less hung up on heteronormativity as the rest of the society is. Yeah. So which is kind of refreshing. So, like, that they would have this character with this kind of unique perspective and kind of unique position because the things she values are not exactly what everyone else values, so she's kind of an interesting element. Right. And they just wipe her off the game board, off screen, and the way that we find out is this corporate sleazebag and the queen being really smarmy about how shitty the roads are. Like, it's so bizarre. I mean, it's called like, Austeria. <laughs> yeah, at least <laughs> that's true, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they put they put all their money into diamonds and didn't bother paving shit. Um, yeah, it just feels so so at odds, and I I I hope the only reason is because they are planning to bring her back. But even if that is the case, like it's such a shitty way of just yeah. dealing with this plot beat. And again, it's it's strange because when Prince Jack and the King after the party have kind of a heart to heart, and the prince is acting like he's okay with this. Yeah, like. I don't know. And I'm like, he doesn't, did we he miss? obviously didn't, doesn't give a shit about like women in general, I guess. I guess. But it's also like, that was his freedom. And he's just like, like, I get that he would eventually end up at this point because what comes out of it is that the king is proud of him and says that he's planning to coronate Prince Jack essentially right. during the wedding. So I get why eventually Jack would be okay with things shaken out like this. But we miss the internal conflict of Jack like wrestling with that. And so it yeah. feels strange that one minute he's so close to freedom. And then the very next scene, he's completely reversed as to what he wants out of this yeah. arc. Yeah. You know, um, it's, I mean, it's the same with King Silas as well. Um, and how his desires and goals <laughs> just basically keep changing throughout the show in, new and interesting ways um, <laughs> without with very little explanation um and it's kind of sad that the only characters who have remained consistent also have like the like um the queen has remained a very consistent character true but a, a very uninteresting and con ins consistent character in a sense that all she wants to do is like kill everybody <laughs> <laughs> that isn't like her son or daughter essentially yeah um so I don't I I just yeah, I totally agree. There's just no I feel just this whole situation is just so awkward because nobody is like responding to it in a way besides indifference or being a smart ass about it, basically. Yeah. Which is Yeah, just yeah, yeah. And it goes back strange. to the Uncanny Valley thing where you're like, I see a version of this scene. I recognize this scene's type and I recognize yes. what it's trying to do, but it's not behaving the way I expect. Yeah. And it's creeping me out. <laughs> I'm going to have nightmares tonight <laughs> about yeah. like, the, these kind of things. Yeah. So, uh, and then again, another just uncanny valley scene. So after the, after Prince Jack hears that he's going to, he's essentially going to be sworn in as King to be during the wedding ceremony, he goes and meets the corporate sleazebag in a, in a, in a car and reminds us that oh yeah they made like a weird alliance or pact like several episodes back that we haven't seen manifest in any significant way 
up until now. Uh, and the way it manifests is the corporate sleazebag slaps the shit out of Prince Jack <laughs> and says, you idiot, King Silas's promises are false. Uh, you're, our, our takeover of power isn't going to be you assuming the throne. It's going to be me killing a bunch of people to assume <laughs> it in a military fashion. I really like killing. <laughs> yeah, he, he specifically. Don't take this away from me. <laughs> Because Jack's this again like makes the wants really blurry. Because Jack's whole deal seems to be, hey, I figured out a way for us to seize power without killing anybody. And I was like, I wasn't aware that was a concern of Jack's. I believe that he wouldn't want people to die, right. kind of. But at the same time, like this hasn't been a thing of about his philosophy or his his plan. So him to just so is that why he's okay with Katrina Grant dying? Is he sees it as the sacrifice of one for the needs of the many? But then why did he join up with Katrina Grant in the first time, first place? If he had this other yeah. deal with the corporate sleaze, but like it's so. Ah, it makes no sense. I can't figure out what he wants. And it also, um, I mean, we don't even know what the corporate sleaze bag wants either, because that's out of power. Like, they they want power vaguely. Yeah, yeah, vaguely. But the thing is that it, <laughs> the reason why <laughs> it just comes across as like this guy just really wants to kill people because yeah. Jack is like, look, just wait, like literally a few weeks. I will be in power and I'll hook you up. Like we'll ha- we'll make a great team together. And this guy's like, "No, you don't understand. I call the shots and I say innocent people have to die <laughs> for this to work yeah. out." And you're right. There there is another version of the scene where if there had been previous scenes or if we knew more about what either Jack or the sleaze bag wanted more specifically, um there's a version of the scene where Jack is okay with seizing power through peaceful means and the brother wants to seize power through violent means for whatever reason, for yeah. revenge, for spite, because he's a just straight up evil guy. But we have none of we have no context behind any yeah. of this. So it's supposed to be like this very tense scene between two characters who both want the same thing but in different ways. But Instead, it's just Jack getting slapped like around, yeah, for no particular reason, uh, in the back of a car by yeah, and it and it's also weird. Bag. It's like it's lacking a key uh, sort of variable that you need in these sorts of dramas about um, you know political maneuvering and uh, uh, deal making and alliances, fragile alliances, which is it's not clear who has the power in this relationship. Yeah, and. In fact, it seems kind of to go be counterintuitive because the the corporate sleazebag is slapping the shit out of Jack and like talking down to him in a way that implies that the corporate sleazebag is the one calling the shots. But Jack essentially has a sight line on everything he wants. Like he's the one who's going to be in power soon. And all Jack would need to do is rat the corporate sleazebag out to the king who would believe him because the king hates the corporate sleazebag. And like problem solved. Like I'm not sure why Jack is taking shit from the corporate sleazebag unless he implicitly trusts his judgment for some reason or believes the or believes that the corporate sleazebag is as powerful as king silas but if that were the case they wouldn't need to be so secretive about their alliance it just doesn't line up no 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 no. see it's been a while since you watched the first or second episode we have to remember the corporate sleazebag can cause the entire economy to halt (laughs) <laughs> in a couple hours so, that's true that's true that's a lot of power that's a lot of and power only a have. secret stash of gold can save the country <laughs> from economic can you imagine ruin if, um yellen the chairman of the federal reserve just like came up with like had a news conference and was like yeah um so i voted hillary 
didn't really vote for Trump, so nobody has money now. <laughs> Until we uh, figure so, this out. <laughs> so all the money is gone. That's there's no more money anywhere. And then um, uh Trump's son or Jared Kushner or whoever you want <laughs> wants to be the president, right? So he goes to yell and he's like, Let's be partners. You know, you can take the money away and I am vaguely handsome white young guy who has power in this administration yeah and yellen's like yeah let's let's do that and then he, she mm. slaps the shit out of jericho <laughs> <laughs> okay that part i like a lot this plan i i agree with that a lot but you also you're missing a, a, a key point which is this would be like if yellen did announce that like hey there's no more money anywhere it's all gone <laughs> i took it all it's mine now I have all the money. And then, and then and then and then Trump showed up and said, Good news, I found a treasure map. <laughs> we have money again. The Declaration of Independence has the treasure Whoa, map. Oh, all shit. the gold. <laughs> we also yeah. forgot the part where after announcing that all the money is gone, Yellen starts eating a salad <laughs> with her mouth open. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Yeah. So uh, nonsense as usual. Uh, right. in, in the political sphere of kings. Um, but at least it's funny. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, so David's last stop is on his, his tour of Ohio <laughs> is... <laughs> Cedar is, Point, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> Top throw dragster can't be beat. Uh, so... <laughs> Anyway, so uh, his last stop is actually a gas station. Uh, I call it the gas station of the damned because that's what it looks like. It's just a really shitty gas station. Um, I mean, no one's there. It's like an abandoned gas yeah. station. And this is another weird series of events that I'm going to ask if you knew what was going on. But I'm guessing the answer is no because you looked I, just as confused. You don't, just ask me now and the answer is no. <laughs> no. So he arrives, he arrives at the gas station. It's actually kind of a nice moment where we get where the show just calms the fuck down for a second. Just chills. Yes. Just takes a yeah. breath and lets David like take in his surroundings, and it's atmospheric. It's nice. Yeah. It's quiet. You hear the rustling of trees, and he's just given a moment to kind of like take in the situation. And you're like, okay, we can catch our breath. I like the show looks good. I actually also want to say, the guy Golden Boy, I actually really like the way that he played out this scene. Because they did give yeah. him a good amount of, like, as you're saying, good amount of space to, like, do whatever you want, whatever you want to do. And this is a, sort of a frustrating moment in a sense that he gets to the last place that he knows of in Ohio that might be Akron. <laughs> uh, and, like, it's not. Um, it's not Akron, Ohio. <laughs> so he's pretty upset like, by this. <laughs> and, and um, but, <laughs> but he, like, I, I just felt very within Golden Boy's character to not totally freak out. Like, he almost yeah. freaks out, but he sort of pulls himself back. And I feel like that would have been a very easy scene to just pull, like, a, like a Bruce Willis sort of in, um, in, a. I'm going to make the connection. Don't worry. I was going to say, you're going to have to, to walk <laughs> me through this here. Bruce Willis in a Tarantino film that I should know the name of, but I'm blanking. You think of right Pulp now. Fiction? Pulp Fiction, yeah. Where when he forgets the Tarantino his father's film? watch. <laughs> what? I said the, the Tarantino film. The That's Tarantino the one you forgot. And I definitely forgot the name of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay, but yes, he gets his father's watch. Yeah, he forgets his father's watch, and he goes like, I can't believe I fucking forgot my fucking... Oh, things I forgot. Yeah. I feel like that would have been a very 
like easy way to play that scene it's just uh-huh. shepherd is angry and is letting it loose but i kind of like the way again it would fit the atmosphere that they were setting for shepherd to be like upset and angry but more like lost than anything yeah just like yeah, i yeah. have no idea what to do now they play up the isolation of yeah. his character which i feel like was a key ingredient missing from this whole sequence is that less bumbling spy shit and more just he's kind of adrift like he's out of the country he's found out that what he knew about his father's death was a lie what he knew about the the king was a lie and he's just kind of without an orbit right now yeah um and i like that they kind of give us a moment to appreciate that uh but then they quickly ruin that moment by having david do some truly uh (laughs) some truly national treasure shit shit because he looks at Okay, he looks at a phone number on the wall of the gas station, then looks at the name of the gas station, gets an idea, dials a cell, his cell phone, asks if there was a shipment from Galboa. The guy says, yes. Do you have a tracking number? David hangs up, and then a van pulls in to the gas station. And I'm like, the fuck? Okay, none of that made sense. You're right. But I just figured out the, the his logic. Okay. The gas station has – the only thing the gas station has to do with this – is that on the wall it says call 1-800 and then the telephone number is like written in letters. Yeah. And so he gets the idea that maybe the telephone number or the the Akron, Ohio isn't actually a place. It's like a phone number. (laughs) (laughs) Which is true. It's not a place. It does not exist. (laughs) There is no Akron, Ohio. It's a phone number that you can call. Um, Oh, but See, I took it. I took it because we're in a fictional place. I took it as read that Akron is a place that everybody knows. So it made no sense to me that David, like, believes that Akron. Okay, so he wasn't map questing places in Akron where <laughs> one can find illegal shit. He was googling Akron, Akron and going to places with Akron, Akron in the title. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Oh my God, that's so not clear <laughs> because everybody just acts like Akron is just like Enkron, as like this is a normal fictional place. Right. Right. So I was so confused what David's – okay. All right. I agree. I agree. Just the way that when you describe the scene, it suddenly occurred to me the thought process behind what he was supposed to be doing. Okay. All right. Uh, well, they do not make it clear which no, fictional I, places I, are yes, places. And... I agree. Uh, that made – it like especially watching it, like we have the pleasure of being able to review thoroughly this episode. But if you're just like, like oh, I'm going to turn on the TV tonight, just got home from work, like just ate dinner – one what's on Kings? This looks like a cool show. What are they doing? In <laughs> I like Kings. Kings are great. <laughs> Kings are great. Yeah, Kings are. I mean, I guess they're okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. See, in my mind, this man coming home from work is like a strict monarchist. <laughs> he comes home I'm and he's a royalist. like, "Royalist." Um, yeah. The peasants don't know nothing about government mm-hmm. systems. Of government. We need <laughs> what's really a wrong with modern from God. <laughs> What's really wrong with our modern society is that we've we've stopped using bloodlines as a uh, way to to elect office. Uh, anyway, so yeah, okay, so that sort of makes sense, but what what doesn't make sense again? Even when we figured it out, it keeps getting weirder and worse. A van pulls up, and my first thought was he called that van, right. but no, it is just a coincidence. <laughs> there are. I think there's supposed to be time between him making the call. Because he makes the call and, like, tries to start his motorcycle and it doesn't go anywhere. Or, wait, no, he start, tries to start his motorcycle, doesn't go anywhere, then makes the call? Yes, that's the order. Okay. Um, 
yeah, so that makes it even more confusing, actually. Yeah. So okay. Uh, so actually, this here's here's my little thesis for this third act is that it is a pile of contrivances that we do not need and that just actively like cheapens what happens next. So let me just describe what the the uh, I'm going to do a little something a little different. I'm going to describe the events, okay. and then I'm going to lay out why it's bizarre that it happened this way. <laughs> like why I think it happened this way, what the writer's intent were. Yeah. But why I don't think it was necessary. Okay. Which is that. So David does his his Sherlock moment where he realizes that Akron is actually a a code and not a place. Um, and as soon as he calls, a van of, I guess, anarchists show up, basically. They're just like traveling draft dropouts who are, are in it for the sex, drugs, and rock and roll of it all. And David Hippies. hit... Yeah. And because David's motorcycle is broken down, he hitches a ride with them. While he's on a ride with them, one of the anarchist girls, or hippie girls... Um, takes a liking to there's him only for, two of them actually there's, there's only the two driver and there's right. the woman <laughs> okay so the woman takes an interest in david for reasons and starts flirting hot, with him. dude all right I'm, I'm gonna explain how all the contrivances you say are totally <laughs> necessary one okay. david's a handsome guy okay uh two who hasn't gotten to the back of a stranger's van in their lifetime all right <laughs> guys anybody uh no but I, i'm with you i'm with you i'm, I'm not trying yeah. to pick i just want I, I i'm trying to help you by just trying to show like how bizarre everything okay. is because it's literally two guys just show up in a van and are like yeah. you want to come with us and he's like i mean fuck yeah yeah let's, sure let's yeah. yeah can you take me to the rail yard which is where he thinks the package is it's actually a hot venue <laughs> they're like yeah uh, akron's ohio's hottest club the rail yard <laughs> love it get get your rails at the rail yard that's what they say <laughs> uh so anyway, so the the anarchist woman chick starts really heavily flirting with David, and he clearly is like, obviously, is like, ah, that's not what I'm about. I'm sworn to the princess. He doesn't say this, but it's his demeanor. Right. But despite not putting out, not not being down for what this chick is putting out, she like very slowly and languidly makes out with him, and slips him a pill, a drug, and David again doesn't fight, doesn't react surprised, doesn't push back, just kind of sits there while she, like, really... Yeah, I guess. He's been traveling all over. (laughs) We've driven through there. I was going to (laughs) say, we'll exhaust anybody. You spend that much time in Ohio, and you you, you take on a weariness that goes beyond (laughs) the physical realm. You're asleep by the time you get to (laughs) Utah, my friend. Okay, so I get it. You can make it to Pennsylvania. (laughs) So it's demoralizing and upsetting. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> but you need, to, you need to put your you need to put your personal feelings behind you, Mark. We need to talk <laughs> about this show. We need to talk about the writing. Yeah, but we got to get <laughs> sick burns on Ohio's side. Uh, the truly the the, <laughs> the sickest burn is that Ohio. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, and I, I lost the thread because I was just thinking. Ohio has invaded my brain and it's just actively <laughs> destroying it from the inside. Uh, anyway, so um, anyway, so that's bizarre. David just kind of languidly accepts getting drugged, um, right. and even when he is drugged, again, it's so <laughs> not slow. It's not like it's not like David leans back, closes his eyes to like take a nap, and she slips it in his mouth, and he yeah. goes, oh, "What?" or like injects him, and he's like, "Well, what?" He literally is sitting there wide awake in the middle of a conversation she leans over and like very slowly kisses him he's just like i'm going with it and then realizes a drug is in his mouth swallows it goes huh that was weird and she's like yep and he's and it's like aren't you 
going to a place with like guns and violence <laughs> and like an important mission like what are you doing and what this does is it gives him an excuse to trip out and hallucinate about his dad yeah um teaching him to play piano by repeatedly saying follow the time one two one two one two one two one two which at first is very creepy because his dad is acting like a broken robot like this is supposed to be like this is the first we've seen of david's dad the man who has made david who he is and who we cannot stop hearing about uh our first introduction to him is him basically repeating the same music lesson over and over again in a very off-putting way. But David still takes it as a very like heartwarming thing. So David arrives in the train yard after waking up. His jacket is gone and he's on the train tracks. So I guess they were intending to murder him. I don't know how he, I don't know what happened, but that's where he went. They got him there. (laughs) They got him there. They got him to the train tracks, almost killed him and robbed him. But I guess, you know, bygones be bygones. Uh, so he finds the one dude who beat him up before, the one black market dude. He beats the black market dude up, leaves him alive, but the black market dude doesn't pursue him. Uh, right? Like, I'm not forgetting that? I thought I thought he, like, knocked out. I mean, this definitely doesn't kill the black market guy, but I thought the idea was that the black market guy was knocked out. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't... It, this the funny thing about this series of events is it's like the small contri- there are a lot of small contrivances that don't even matter because of how big the other contrivances are that's like, yeah that make this scene so like this they could have like he could have just walked up to this guy and been like hey where's the treasure and the guy would be like oh i don't uh, somewhere i don't, I don't know. <laughs> like oh thanks man and then keep walking and like i it wouldn't have changed yeah. anything about how weird the scene was like it would have been the exact same weirdness yeah because something that small like <laughs> doesn't matter yeah but it's just how I, yeah bizarre anyway so is. so i'm i'm getting to so the the point right. that all these contrivances is leading to which is that david now has the shipping yard not the shipping yard the rail yard to himself uh but he has no idea where the specific shipment is until he sees a train car he hears his dad telling him Boy, remember what I've always told you. When you don't know what's going on, follow the time. One, two, one, two. And then David looks and sees a train car that says one, two, one, two on it and throws it open. And wouldn't you know it, the Declaration of Independence is there. The charter is in there. Uh, <laughs> Nicholas Cage is there, too. <laughs> Nicholas Cage is there, too. And he's like, you can't have it. <laughs> I need the gold. I'm deeply in debt, and that's why I take on projects that Donald, are that would have no, been Donald below. Trump needs the gold. <laughs> Donald Trump the needs Fed the gold. Chairman to save took the it all away. <laughs> yes, uh, no, but he he gets the charter. So okay, so here's the thing: all of the contrivances are basically building up to answer the question: How does David find the charter? Right? Yeah. Um, and the idea is that I can see the writers being like, "Okay, here, let's kill two birds with one stone. We'll get a scene with David's father, and like David needs to have this dream sequence so that one, we can see his father." And two, so we can plant the seed of how he finds, we can plant the divine intervention or the prophecy that leads him to the shipping yard, right? And becoming king. I mean, and becoming right? king. That's, that's like, true. That's he, the he, overall like goal is to make it so that it's like God is clearly on David Shepard's side because, and we don't really need to go into too many details about these other scenes, but it sort of is constantly cutting back to King Silas and things aren't going well with his renewable energy plan. Probably because he just walked in said, let's do renewable energy, and then walked out, which isn't, like, the best way to govern in any yeah. capacity. Um, so this is definitely, like, it, I, you're de- like this is definitely a setup. 
you're absolutely right. The writers are definitely like, we need to plant the seed that David is the chosen one. Yes. And God is on his side. Uh, so we need we need to we want to re we, yeah we want to reconfirm his bond with his father in a way that we haven't before or deepen that relationship. We want to foreshadow that David is going to become king, and we want to and accelerate that. And we want to give him a plot reason that he can find the charter. Right. Um, and they so they arrive at that. We need the sequence. How do we get the sequence? Well, we could have David trip out. Well, he's not going to take drugs voluntarily. So how about? He gives them gets them involuntarily. Well, like we need a reason for that, so he's with some hippies. Well, we need a reason for that, so his motorcycle breaks down. Like all of it, none of it like follows organically. It's all his motorcycle yeah. happens to break down. The van happens to pull up at that right moment. He happens, I guess, to let his guard down enough to be given drugs, which then makes him happen to hallucinate and dream about his father, who happens to be giving him a lesson that happens to line up perfectly. Like. And yeah. I get that a certain amount of divine intervention is expected in the show, but this is just like, did God make his motorcycle break down? Like, where does, like, <laughs> the hand of God start and stop here? Like, it's so, it's contrivance upon contrivance. But all that needed to happen was David has a quiet moment. He's feeling down. He doesn't know what to do. Maybe he just sits under the tree and, like, dozes off and, like, imagines or, like, sees his father and has a vision. Like, people have had visions in the show in the past. Yeah. Like, David could have just seen something, like, seen his father in the distance or something. And we wouldn't have had this ridiculous music lesson scene. Because, like, that's the other thing is they try to hide the omen where it's, like, one, two, one, two is the rhythm of the time, but it's also the right train car. Yeah. Like, they could have had his dad just have a way more elliptical and cooler, like, sign or metaphor that would lead David down the right path without having to set up this domino effect of happenstance yeah. that goes against David's character. And it's just... I don't know why they chose this route. It's so utterly convoluted for no reason. All yeah. you need is a dream sequence, and we've had dream sequences before. It's bizarre. I think the the part where like failed the most was needing Shepard to take drugs to yeah. have this sequence. I definitely agree with you. I don't know why they why that was necessary at all. Um, and it, it also sort of just cheapens the idea that it is divine intervention because it's like yeah, I don't know what you're trying to. <laughs> NBC, what are you trying to encourage here among <laughs> the children of America? Look, if going to church every Sunday isn't doing it for you, drop some acid. We'll see God that way. You know, just how, however way you can communicate with the divine. You yeah. Know, go for it. I mean, I approve of that message, but it's making the show worse. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree. The the Him having to take a drug to have this sequence cheapens the whole thing. Which is a, it? Which is a shame, because otherwise, I really like. Um, <laughs> I think it fits the show. Like it, it fits the show in a sense that the King Silas sends. It's like freaking Veggie Tales, you know. <laughs> uh, but actually, in Veggie Tales, it's actually King David who sends the guy to his death. But um, in the Great Pie War, I'm getting off track. Uh, I was. That is, season, that is a VeggieTales next... deep cut there. I have not thought about the Great Pie War for <laughs> decades. <laughs> anyway, the point is VeggieTales did it better. That's what I'm trying to say. How much, better, how much better would this be if King Silas just couldn't stop singing about his hairbrush and how he can't find his hairbrush? <laughs> his, his rubber ducky. And how much yeah, yeah, exactly. It, but he's jealous of David's rubber ducky. <laughs> um, but like seriously, though, this the scene works or the, the sequence works from the perspective of we need Shepard 
to realize one realize his destiny to have sort of some sort of like this is this is the thought process for how we need to end the season right yeah it's that they've been kind of building up Shepard and the king to have like this very close relationship it's been a little clumsy but whatever we're at that point like they got us there they got us to that point and so now they need to break down that relationship and so they're like we need to do like three or four things the first one is we need to keep we need to basically crank up the god is on david's side and they've been sort of hinting at it with like his meeting with um samuel and all this other stuff but and the monarchs but we need to like turn that up to 11 we need to have some sort of break between king silas and david and we need to have david recognize the fact that he is divinely appointed how can we do all of this what if he is sent on like a suicide mission that he is totally unprepared for and fails really hard at and only makes mm-hmm. it through by like the grace of god and his fa- dead father uh, who's dead, by the way. Everyone, <laughs> if you're watching the show, his father's dead. Um, and all the pieces... I, here's the thing, though. Before, we said, like, oh, all the pieces were there, and it's just, like, the connections were fuzzy. But as yeah. you described it, like, not even all the pieces are there. Like, even the, like, dialogue is just so bizarre. This like, so much different and so much more bizarre in the other episodes. Most of the other episodes were... had very strange like plot devices yeah but like conversation and conversation they made sense but yeah. this episode just like i don't know what happened like nobody is speaking like a human being anymore yeah most and most episodes have like a handful of moments or exchanges we really like this yes. episode is literally one and we're one. gonna get to it yeah yeah so yeah it, i don't know it, i wonder i, I actually wonder Hearing you talk about like them being aware of the season's end and that's why everything's picking up at such a crazy pace, it makes me wonder if I have no like proof and uh, maybe I'll research this. Um, I wonder if like at this point they were aware or had an inkling that they might get canceled, mm. and so they were like, "We just gotta like fucking just go." go like yeah. this could have been several episodes dealing with Katrina against death, dealing with the suicide mission. Yeah. But instead, it's just setting up the charter and paying it off. Instead, it's just everything like just falls apart and reshapes in one episode. Right. Um, but yeah, so so David gets the charter. End of that plot line. We'll come back to him at the very end. The other plot line, as you mentioned, King Silas's energy is going bad. Samuel is there, I guess, advising him on energy as well, but also yeah. the spirituality of, of focusing on energy. Um, and as the king is doing this, he keeps passing david's mom still standing in the lobby and finally he just can't resist he has to go up and talk to her and this is in my opinion the one good exchange in the entire episode it's a good exchange that comes about on again just a really not good contrivance of like yes you're just allowed to stand in the capitol building and hang out i guess yeah because it's a public space like yeah. why not <laughs> and the king might approach you yeah, by just hold an audience with you. Yeah, yeah, and nobody else reacts. Like, this is a crowded area, but nobody yeah. is surprised that the king is just holding an impromptu audience with this random woman. Right. Um, but despite but, all that. <laughs> despite all that, the exchange is really cool because it is a, it, unlike the other ones, which are unclear and our characters mostly talking about different things, this is an interesting one that begins with a very standard kind of exchange. The king walks up and says, Hey, what's up? Aren't you David's mom? And she's like, "Yep, I'm waiting here for him to arrive." And and King Saus is like, "Ah, it's rough, but I trust him. I'm a good king. This is the due course. I have faith in him. It's gonna be great." And then the mom flips the dynamic and inverts things by revealing, 
A, she doesn't trust the king worth shit. Like, she yeah. sees through his bullshit. She knows that he's a conniving asshole. And she knows that this mission is less about getting the charter back and more about the king trying to screw somebody over right. because she's aware of it. Not only that, but interestingly enough, she doesn't want David. To, she she knows of David's like prophesized goodness and doesn't want him to be king in a weird way. Her and Silas's goals are aligned because she knows that being the yeah. king comes with misery and toil and isolation. And she doesn't want that for David. But in a bizarre way, by the king trying to prevent David from ascending, he's only accelerating that same ascension. Yeah. And the mom is aware of that. And suddenly the dynamic of the of the exchange is completely flipped, where suddenly the mom is just needling the king just yeah. right where it hurts. And it's yeah. so good. It is great. It is great. Um, I really, I, yeah, I like the scene, maybe not as much as you, just because it just, uh, it's, it's really too bad that 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 the con that the content of the scene is so good, but the context around it is so bad. Yeah, for me it was just, uh, it was like a starving man in the desert. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> yes, finally something. <laughs> it, it it is good. It's a good scene. Um, it's kind of a shame too that they dropped the his mother like a hot potato several episodes ago. Yeah, they just bring her back for this. I mean, they bring her back for a good reason for like a great scene, but um, it's. It's fine. Yeah, it it would it's have been fine. more meaningful if she were a more consistent presence and character, yes, and if they didn't is. have to just have her hang out for a while in order yeah. to accomplish. I don't want to be I don't want to be negative, Nancy, because this scene is and the conversation is genuinely good, and it's kind of it's it's a again it's sort of nice to have a character whose motives are the opposite of what everybody else yeah wants, because everybody else just vaguely wants power of some kind. Yeah. And this woman sort of wants the opposite of it, which is nice to see. Um, I guess yeah. I'm, just, I'm just bitter. <laughs> yeah, and, and and importantly, that 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 difference allows her to see things that the characters blinded by ambition right. don't. Yeah. Which again is an, is an important thing when structuring the way characters relate to each other. Is it allows us to get different perspectives on the outcome and adds drama because it makes sense that characters chasing different things and with different outlooks would have sort of a a ability to discover different things right um and i really enjoy that that's just like solid character construction it's unfortunate that the mom isn't like is only now just becoming kind of a character in episode 10 yeah as opposed to something to worry about or placate or get rid of she's finally like coming to her own i doubt we'll see her again (laughs) (laughs) that being said she's they're gonna mention next episode like oh man the Roads to <laughs> farmland sure are dangerous. <laughs> the roads to not Kansas are just as shitty as those in Australia. <laughs> there are all sorts it? of guns and assassins <laughs> on those roads. It's crazy. <laughs> Can't go to the farmer's market without taking at least five bullets to the dome. <laughs> it's nuts. <laughs> uh, but anyway, her faith in, in her son, though, is well-placed because David sure enough returns the big hero carrying the <laughs> the appreciation certificate aka the <laughs> charter of the city congratulations uh, <laughs> really is that moment everyone's just sitting around <laughs> clapping for him uh and then he does a pretty baller move though which is he strides right into the king's quarters with the charter and the king's like oh good you're here with the charter fantastic and david's <laughs> wow. like yeah, yeah wow amazing 
And David's like, yeah, I did it so I could sleep with your daughter. And the king's like, okay. He drops Why a don't... cell phone, drops <laughs> a box of condoms, fucking walks out. <laughs> uh, and understandably, the king's like, okay, everyone, clear out. Perry, you stay. But everyone else. <laughs> no, no, no. Shepard says Perry, you stay. Oh, pa- Shepard like, says Perry, you stay. A weird, disrespectful move. Like, yeah. <laughs> it it like really it's is. a power play, but also, like, I don't. <laughs> what? Like Perry didn't ask to be a pawn on your stupid game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, so everyone clears out, and and David and and Silas kind of have a first real heart to heart, where Shepard is like, "You sent me to die," and King Silas is like, "I send lots of people to die, but it's a way to test them." And you passed, congratulations. And David's like, "I've had it with your shit. I'm gonna go be with your daughter now, and you're not gonna touch me because <laughs> I am the hero of this city now." Uh, and walks out, um, and goes to be with the princess. We catch a scene of King Silas drinking wine ominously and telling his and telling Thomasina to quote do it unquote. <laughs> uh, Don't let your dreams be dreams. <laughs> <laughs> you have a very brief uh, motivational <laughs> speech to Thomasina. Uh, <laughs> um, and then we cut back and we see that Perry's narration this whole time. We think it's been him writing King Silas's new history. It turns out he's actually writing the super future King David's history twist. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Uh, And David gets arrested by the FBI in the middle of making out with his girlfriend. And that's the episode. A real boner killer. I don't know if that's ever happened to you guys, but it (laughs) kills the mood. Nothing like the presence of federal agents and assault (laughs) weapons to really just put a put a damper on the Navy. You know. That scene is great too, um, in kind of a funny way, uh, because it ends with um, uh, Michelle is obviously a little annoyed because David went on the super secret mission and didn't tell anybody, and Michelle's like, "Oh my God, why did you? Like, we have to communicate better. It's part of a strong relationship, blah blah blah, all sorts of stuff." Which I, by the way, viewers, I do actually respect communication. It's true. In a relationship. Yeah, yeah. Correct. I'm trying to get to the point, the funny part, but. Is, but uh, and Shepard's like, I promise there will never be any more secrets. Oh, Cue yeah. Immediately, <laughs> doors busted down, windows yeah. kicked in, <laughs> uh, flash grenades, stun grenades in. It's yeah. pandemonium. It's, it's, almost, it's almost like the commanders are like, hang on, he's just about to tell her that nothing bad will ever happen again. <laughs> like, hang on. Wait, just one second. Okay, go, 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 go. Yeah, it's great. It's a great way to end the episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just a bunch of just an FBI squad that is dedicated to waiting for the most ironic <laughs> line to be uttered by the criminals. Like, hang on, hang on, hang on. The dealer's about to say what's the worst that could happen. <laughs> I know he's gonna say it, just hold off real real quick. <laughs> uh but yeah, so and that's how it ends. And man, oh boy, I hope this isn't the way the rest of the episodes are for the end of the season. I'm concerned. Yeah. For sure. It they no longer have time or room to do the sort of one-off um, episodes that explore the characters. And unfortunately, they haven't had enough of those to like build up the relationships and to build up like the wants and desires of characters for anything yeah. that makes sense. And they also yep. just don't have time to make anything make sense, apparently. So yeah. I'm... To- to come up with a new metaphor, a new <laughs> a new overly complicated metaphor for this. It's like they, they've been setting up the dominoes for a big uh, 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 finale, 
But then we zoom out and realize like a bunch of dominoes are out of place. One of them is like a bouncy ball. <laughs> One like, of them is just... eating the dominoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another writer's eating the dominoes. There's just like a dog in the middle of it. Uh, and you're like, well, I see the I see the shape of what could have been a cool finale, and I kind of see the process. And yeah. some of the dominoes are lined up right, but if they're not all there, it's just it's just not going to be a good time, you know? It's a mess. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little I'm a little bummed. Yeah, and the one I, I liked, and the one thing I liked uh, some of what they were starting to do towards the middle of the season. Yeah, um, and it's not it's not going to make it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like the one, the one thing that like we kept iterating, on, uh, reiterating that we wanted to see more of the supernatural, godly vision stuff. Yeah, they they cheap out on by this insane, suddenly deciding they need an excuse for a character to have a vision quest. Like what? Yeah. That was the one thing you didn't need to do your homework <laughs> on, and you like, what? Yeah, I I am, I'm disappointed. I I, I mean, as always, at least it's. Yeah, a, a mess in an, enter- in an entertaining way, but it really is like, okay, I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> yeah. I Honestly, the next episode, I just hope the dialogue gets back to me. <laughs> At the very least. At the very least. Yeah, characters start talking like human beings again <laughs> to each other. The next episode, they're just spitting binary out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be great. One zero, one zero, 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 one, 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 zero, 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 one, one, zero, one, zero, 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 zero. <gasps> Zero one one, one, one zero. <laughs> I'm going to use this uh, conversation segue as as a, as a means to just briefly highlight an encounter that wasn't. I originally was going to skip because I want to get lost in the details, but I can't stop thinking about it because it's so funny <laughs> to me. Which is the, an, a, a mostly meaningless conversation between King Silas and the princess, where the princess shows up. Yes. Late at night. Oh my god! I actually forgot about this. Sorry. Yeah. I, I, yes. Continue. It has no bearing on the plot, but I I can't. This episode's <laughs> going along, but I can't resist bringing it up. The King is, is staring into the fire as he's wont to do. Uh, and the princess shows up and pours herself a glass of wine, and the king's like, can't sleep. And the princess is like, Yeah, the bed feels so empty, which is like, <laughs> hey dad, remember how I'm having sex with the, the, the boy, the farm boy? You kind of hate. I'm having sex with him, and that's the reason I can't sleep is because he's not fucking me. Uh, <laughs> he fucks me in the ass, and I yeah. like it. I fuck him in the ass, and <laughs> he likes it. He likes it. <laughs> and that's how we go to bed every day. Um <laughs> so and the king is like that's weird uh by <laughs> the way Shane's like whoa <laughs> yeah hey man and the king's I like, it's said cra- it's okay <laughs> <laughs> and the king's like it's crazy that you're sleeping with guys because i remember you as a bo-. she literally says like i remember you flailing in like the blood of your in mom's womb. yeah in yeah. the blood of your mom's womb. he's like i remember when you were a bloody disgusting infant and now you're having sex and it's very strange to me uh aren't you worried about your oath that you gave to god and the princess is like, nah, who cares about fairy tales? And I want King Silas to be like, you do realize I literally like spoke with death. Like, <laughs> death is real. It has no, a no, face. No. You don't understand. You don't daughter. get it. <laughs> uh, it's just so, such a bizarre exchange. And again, kind of flies in the face of like a lot of plot that we've seen previously. And it's like one, one makeout session. And the princess has flipped from devote, like I'm terrified for my life to like, who cares about God anymore? Oh, man. It's just... It's collapsing all around us. You know, that might be the realest part of the show, though. <laughs> sex is a sin. You have sex for the first time. Uh, never mind. <laughs> never mind. God yeah, is I, dead. I, actually, it's not so bad anymore. <laughs> Killed God with my dick. <laughs> King Silas. 
that's really what that's what a uh, shepherd should have done is just <laughs> lift it out and then like where's your god now yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the god killer i got right here uh yeah uh it's it's not a great episode we'll it's see where it goes episode. it might be my least favorite just because it was the most uncomfortable to watch yeah ah. yeah i mean even the earlier episodes that had the political intrigue that didn't really make any sense were still like sort of entertaining this one's yeah. just like just weird and, just and again weird. those 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 scenes were at least they were wild but at least like had kind of a nice uh, uh again the, the conversations were zingier and the characters were yeah. at least like being They're consistently on the same page. <laughs> yeah be on the same page and being kind of consistently over the top with each yeah. other this it's like it's not being over the top it's just being on different tops entirely <laughs> like uh yeah uh we'll see where it goes we'll we'll continue but i think yeah. i think that's all i have to say about this episode yep let's let's we'll wrap it the up next one we'll hit the all next right. one hard uh so as always uh this has been one season one this thank you for listening we have a twitter uh at numeral all of our social is uh one is spelled with a number not not spelled out o-e-n just number one at one season <laughs> wonders on twitter sorry, sorry uh at one season wonders uh on facebook our gmail is one season wonders at gmail.com uh send us your thoughts your impressions whatever uh please do review us on apple podcasts and other podcast apps it does help the show uh get seen um helps our producers at campfire media to help the show get more you know prominent placing and and just really gives us a hand so um but appreciate you listening either way regardless of whether you follow us on any of other stuff uh bro is there anything you want to uh, plug or shout out before we close out um no you guys are great <laughs> uh yeah so thanks so much uh as always i ha- i've been your co-host jeff Zuschlag. and i've been your other co-host mark Zuschlag. and we are tuning out goodbye This is Patrick. And this is Mark, co-host of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we're your home for all things Nintendo. On Tuesday, we're talking about the latest Nintendo news. And on Thursday, we're doing deep dives into specific corners of the Nintendo universe. Ranking the Koopa Kids. Determining who the best Smash Fighter is. That's Nintendo Cartridge Society on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Campfire.